The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome to Just End the Show, everybody. This is um, this is going to be a short one. I'll tell you that right now. There's not a whole lot left to say. We are recording this on Tuesday, November 22nd. So mm-hmm. everything we're going to say about this game, about this quarterback, it's already been said by somebody else. Yes, correct. I'd, I'd honestly like to believe we bring something a little different to the table, adjust on the show, right? I really do. I, I like to think we've seen enough of this team over the years to know how to like sort of cut through the bullshit and just be honest. A little pessimistic at times, admittedly, but honest at the end of the day, right? Nonetheless. Sure, yeah. This week, the rest of the football talking world caught up to us. <laughs> and it's obvious that we've all seen enough. The Zach Wilson truthers, the Zach Wilson apologists, it's only year two. He'll get better crowd. The He's missed a lot of games due to injury. He just needs to find his rhythm crowd. They're all gone. The guy's out of defenders. He's out of fans. He's out of optimists. And you better believe he's running out of friends in the locker room, too. Because we, we're going to have that conversation. Three weeks ago, Zach Wilson cost this team a win against the New England Patriots. The reporters asked Salah after the game if he'd considered benching Zach Wilson. Salah said no, unequivocally. He said, short of an injury, Zach Wilson is the quarterback of this team. It was three weeks ago. During his radio appearance this week that he does every Monday on Carton and Roberts on the fan, Salah has not committed to Zach Wilson as the starting quarterback going into this Sunday against the Bears. Three weeks, two games, one of which a historic franchise-changing feel-good victory. That's how bad Zach's performance was in this game. And I promise everybody, I'm going to let Kevin talk in a second, but that was the single worst performance I've ever seen by an NFL quarterback, uh, whether it's Jamarcus Russell, Nathan Peterman. We're 30-year-old Jets fans. We've lived through Kelvin Clemens. We've lived through Brooks Bollinger. We've lived through 1,000-year-old Brett Favre. Nothing was worse than that. We like Rob Sala a lot. We're on record as saying that to both of us. Yes. If he trots out Zach Wilson against Chicago next week, it might be time to turn on him too, because this team deserves better than that. We deserve better than that. You deserve better than that, Kevin. You at home deserve better than that. Zach has to sit. There's no doubt about it. We are one game away from first place in the AFC East. We cannot stand on the deck of the Titanic, hoping it doesn't sink. We've got to go to Mike White, and we've got to go to Mike White right now. Do the right thing, Rob. Our lives are in your hands, dude. Our lives are in your hands. Wow. That was Seth A. Smith right there. That was beautiful. Let's do the show. I was going to specifically bring it up, so I'm so glad you did, about recording this on Tuesday and... 
usually like in in a normal regular season Jets game, that's not really that big of a deal. You know, it's not like the there's so much national media attention going on around the team like there is right now. But yeah, our podcast from like last year is now the entire NFL media cycle <laughs> these past couple of days, which is insane. Mm-hmm. There is so so little left to say on on the situation, and I think honestly, even though. We've had what we had a couple podcasts. There's one titled like Zach Wilson is trash. There's been a couple. We've we've definitely had like negative moments on here before, but I think we've honestly been pretty fucking nice about him yeah. <laughs> about this situation for a really long time. And it's it's uh, it's at, we're at the end of the rope here. And I couldn't agree more about the fact that he has to be benched uh, at this point. Not only for performance reasons, but also for leadership and locker room reasons. It just feels like this is um, this is a sinking ship, and I, I agree with you. I, I guess I'm pretty much echoing all your points, but especially the idea that at this point, even like piling on his performance is sort of like a fruitless exercise. You know, like what are we even going to get out of it at this point? Like, there's no there's no positives. <laughs> from anything that he did so you can't even be like well mm-hmm. you know like if for example that patriot the last patriots game like where eh, like the yeah, his first quarter was pretty good or this or that like it was um it was really bad and uh it's beginning to validate some of the concerns that i think like seeing elijah moore request a trade earlier in the season i'm beginning to feel like the, the, this might have been something that was kind of known going into this and seeing how fr- going into the season and seeing how frustrated the receivers of the team are visibly frustrated with him is very discouraging. I, I, I mm-hmm. honestly, <laughs> I, I don't want to say I feel bad for him at this point. Cause I, I, I'm so still like mad and but about what happened and how this has all gone, but I don't know what else. I, I just feel like, at the, do you agree with the, the idea that like dog piling at this point? Like, what are we even, yeah. like you said, this is the shortest episode. Cause what are we going to do? Right. You know what I mean? No, it's not. It's not original. It's not constructive in any context. Like I said, the rest of the football world has caught up to us and what we've been saying, that this team is really good and that this team is a quarterback away. And now everyone's saying, wow, the Jets are really good. If only they were, you know, they had a quarterback. Everyone's kind of caught up to us. So you're right. There's no sense in piling on. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything for anybody. But at, at some point, like you're right, we've got to have like, the teammate discussion. We've got to have the locker room discussion, the coach discussion. That's all sort of attached to this, right? Because organizationally, when you draft somebody second overall, you're kind of married to the guy in a way. And I understand the rationale by Sala to put some confidence on Zach and say, listen, he's our guy. We drafted him to be our guy. Right. I, I, I understand that there was, I, I didn't agree with it as we've covered it like at length on this podcast, but like, you could understand it from Salah's perspective why he would go that route. I have to believe that if Salah has, like, any authority whatsoever in this organization, that we're going to see Mike White on Sunday. At some point, it falls on him to make the change that this team needs. He sees it. It's it's not like he doesn't know. You mentioned from a leadership perspective, you look at Zach's postgame comments, somebody asked him, famously now did you do you feel like you let your defense down and he said no so you're not even seeing like the accountability i i know he's a young guy but like quarterback's supposed to be your leader who in that locker room believes in him at this point it it can't be anybody 
I, I think you bringing up Elijah Moore is actually brilliant. And I honestly forgot all about that. We did, you know, 10 minutes on what a bad teammate Elijah Moore was for trying to bail on this team. Elijah Moore, I don't want to say vindicated, but clearly saw the writing on the wall with this guy, right? And he was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. If this team is tied to him, if it's going to be Zach going forward, I don't want to be here. And from that perspective, after seeing what we saw last Sunday, you really can't blame him. I know Barrios is his guy, and I wouldn't be shocked if Braxton Barrios stands by him. But I, I, I can't see him having a ton of friends in this, this locker room after we all saw what we saw on Sunday. There's no way he can look his teammates in the eyes and have them respect him as a leader, right? There's no way. Yeah, the fact that he said no to that question is one thing, but it was also very dismissive. Like, he was actually offended by the question being asked, and that's really a red flag because obviously we can trot out the all the tired cliches of the quarterbacks the leader of their team and part of that is accountability and again parroting things that have already been said but there's a reason that they're being said it's because it's you know it's the truth and it's important and the optics on the Elijah thing I would still say were pretty bad when it happened but the but yeah now sort of putting the pieces together it's beginning to look almost more like he had he was like, maybe there was a sort of a situation where this was kind of known that this was going to be this bad, and he was like the first one maybe willing to kind of out himself as saying it or feeling it. Um, he also just posted a picture of himself on Instagram throwing a football, so take that for whatever you will. John Franklin Myers liked some tweet that was like a criticism of Wilson, so this is like, there is, there's a lot of, there's, it's a, it's a lot of red flags, and just from a, um, from a football standpoint, I kind of wanted to bring this up because I, I, I feel like I ha- this is if there's one maybe slightly fresh take that I could take that I can kind of get out of all of this that nobody's kind of bringing up. It's like I do think that the Jets are really good, and obviously the defense has played out of their mind, and and it's it just I mean watching this defense now the way that it's working and clicking is insane. Like I did not anticipate that we were going to be at like Robert Sala San Francisco levels, and it's like it's incredible to watch it's beyond robert sala san francisco levels yeah it's better than that it's beyond that even yeah <laughs> it's six like six sacks with six or seven it was just i'm saying all this because something that's weird about this wilson situation is that if you go back and look at a couple of the games like i'm really hesitant to do this but i feel like i have to if nick chubb makes the right play they lose that game or if that game go that game could have gone sideways in a million different ways and they pulled that out uh, you can do this obviously with the patriots thing going the other direction but i guess what i'm trying to say is that the team being as competitive as they are is really really hurting wilson here because if the team loses a couple of these games that they could have lost this is not the same concern right we're not at the same i mean even if we're like we're at the same level of concern in terms of like you know, Zach's a bust. What are we going to do? But it's not like you're saying we're in a we're in a effing playoff race now. This is actually really important, and and you can't have one guy torpedoing the entire team. So the fact that the team is is good and has won uh, games that were close that they kind of pulled out that's really working to Zach's disadvantage here. Did, does that make sense? What I'm saying? I'm no, trying it to... <laughs> makes complete sense. If you're, you're you're absolutely right. If this team's two and eight, who gives a fuck? Run them out there, right? And people are talking about them now in a way that is making me a little nervous. Where it's just like, 
oh, this like as if they were just a hundred percent on track to like win the Super Bowl if he's not in there. I'm not. It's where it's like just a predictable thing where the pendulum swings a little too far in the direction of yes, the Jets are having a great season and they are in uh, and outside of the quarterback position, people are playing really well. Um, but you know, they win this game if AV if they have AVT and Brees, right? I mean, that that's I don't I even know think. that they do, Kevin. I think they win this game if you they really? have, if they have AVT, Brees, and Rob Sala puts Mike White in at halftime. Anybody else playing quarterback? Yeah, okay. But I mean, I'm just saying even if they could get something cuz like they were winning games earlier in the year basically just with a ground game and and the defense. So, and uh, like the Pats defense is is good but they're not that good they're not only give up three points good i think that he if you have like you know think about the uh, uh game where uh, the denver game where Brees breaks off a big run if you get one or two of those things happening in a game we're having a different conversation here but obviously yeah. they're hurt and it's football you can't be like oh the, woe is me people are hurt that's part of the game uh well we can obviously do that we do it all the time but we do um, but everyone deals with injuries yeah. <laughs> but everyone does it so i mean that's kind of i guess i'm just uh I'm not defending Zach. You're right. He is. There's nobody in his corner now, and uh, including potentially in the locker room, which is very bad. But I don't. I, I, I'm. I'm a little bit hesitant on this side. That like, we might be just slightly overdoing it with how good they are. And like, you know, if there was, I, I agree with. I think that. Um, I do think they win this game if Mike White plays quarterback because I think he would have gotten. Say that third and one pass where Elijah Moore's wide open, or is it, yeah, Moore's wide open over the center of the field. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that it's just like he didn't need to make crazy plays in this game, but he no. can't hit checkdowns. He can't hit guys in screens. He can't hit guys five yards downfield. And then he's blaming the wind or whatever it was. They're talking. They're talking about the wind, and it's like Mac Jones. Mac Jones played like shit, but he at least he can. But at least he can. He can throw five yard passes. He can complete. You know, and and it's yeah. It, that's that's a complete bullshit excuse, and everybody knows it. And Mac Jones is the is the foil for this, right? Like he didn't play well, but he played better than that. Like, yeah, Mac, he, Mac Jones fucking you know? sucks. Like don't get like don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's not like the terrible, Patriots are world beaters, but, like, but like yeah, <laughs> but he can like. Yeah, the whole league right now is basically you need like what you need from quarterback is competence, and that's basically it. There's not a lot of people playing out of their mind, you know. I mean, you and I are like, I never thought we would get to this point in like our text chat where we're like, oh man, if Taylor Heineke was on this team, we're fucking we were talking about a ring here. But it's like I don't know, like I would do anything to have Taylor Heineke on this team. Yeah, I would kill somebody <laughs> to have Taylor Heineke on my I team mean, right it's now. Just crazy, yeah. like yeah, dude. I don't know. They're like eight and two if they have Taylor Heineke. Absolutely, yeah, yeah I, I agree. They win both of those Pats games. I saw a stat today by one of the beat reporters on Twitter that said the Jets' defense has given up one touchdown in eight quarters to the Patriots, and they lost both games. That's almost impossible to do. That's insane. Yeah, I'm also kind of glad that the Wilson thing has taken away from the dumb as dirt debate about the like the last play. It, I shouldn't say dumb as dirt, but it's just like I thought there would be more of a narrative of like obviously they should punt that ball out of bounds. That's they should punt the ball out of bounds. I don't know what they're doing, but yeah. And there's a block in the back, at least one block in the back. But uh, so it should have been called back. But like I thought that the debate. I was thinking about this whole thing about I had this whole thing worked up in my mind after the game about like. We need to have a word for, like, the red herring thing that always happens in any close football game that everybody blames it on. But then, luckily, the news media, like you said, caught up to all of us immediately and was like, the problem is that guy. Yeah. (laughs) It's not, like, that thing that happened in the end of the game was bad. But, like, the reason they lost is that this quarterback can't, he just can't 
play. He just is not. <laughs> the guy who had nine completions all game. It was that guy. Yeah, we figured it out. For 77 yards. I think we should also have a conversation about Mike White because I we, we this is the Mike White stand cast as we've established but mm-hmm. like I can't help but think that if they had had somebody or well I don't know we'll see how it goes I'm just like I I'm still a little hesitant to like we're going to give him the keys to the car here it seems like if not next game which we're both hoping and praying then after that I I I don't think that there's any way that Zach uh, continues to play it continues to start for the rest of the year. So it's going to be him at some point, and we're just going to have to really see it over a multiple-game stretch is another thing. But I can't imagine that it gets worse than this, than it we're seeing with Zach, right? I just can't imagine Yeah, it. and by the way, if Mike White isn't very good, nobody expected him to be. Right. And if he's great, you heard it here first. We told you so. <laughs> it's, it's good for the pot. <laughs> Let's take a quick break, and then I do actually want to get into that Block in the back, non-block in the back, last play of the game against the Pats. Obviously, like you mentioned, this really fell under the radar a bit with the Zach debacle. But a lot of people, to be fair, are talking about it. And there was certainly a lot of anger in the Jets' Twitterverse in the direct aftermath. So the last play of the game, at least the last play of the game, I should say, on offense for the Jets, they are punting. They are punting the ball to the Patriots with roughly 15 seconds to go. Should they kick the ball out of bounds? Probably. The punt team was doing a good job all day, so it wasn't like a massive concern. When Jones caught the ball, I wasn't like, oh, shit, we didn't punt it out of bounds in that moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, hindsight with that was like, yeah, Yeah. they should have put it out of bounds. No question. Not, Not even debatable. Especially the fact that they're not moving the ball at all. I mean, it's not like you're you're concerned that they're, you know... But if, in, if it goes if it goes so far if it goes out of bounds and he accidentally doesn't kick it far enough out of bounds and they have like really bad like if he shanks it out of bounds then that's a problem but that would really right. be the only because it's not like he they you know if they get the ball at the twenty yard line they they, they were they were killing Mac all game it's not like he's going anywhere no the Patriots if if they start in the twenty yard line they're not getting any points out of the last drive and this game's going three three in overtime for sure but here's the thing with the block in the back right three things number one. It's a questionable block in the back at best. One could argue he hit him from the side. I think he was a block in the back, for what it's worth. But I think you could make the case he gets the shoulder of Justin Hardy, and it's a non-call. So it's like a borderline call. Second point, it's all the way down the field. The alleged block in the back is at the end of the play. So even if, let's say, they do throw the flag, it's not like the Patriot, the whole thing's called back and the Patriots get the ball in their own 20. It's, what, 10, 15 yards? I don't know what the penalty is, but let's say even, let's call it 15 yards from the spot of the foul. I think it's 10, by the way. But in any case, it's from the spot of the foul. So the Patriots are already in field goal range, even with the negative yardage from the penalty. Nick Folk probably doesn't miss three times in a row, and the Patriots win the game. I mean, they don't cover, but they win the game 6-3 anyway, in all likelihood. Yeah, also, that was the other thing you could mention is the fact that, like, like many football games, but, you know... Um, the whole game is totally, the game's over if he hits one of the two field goals he misses. And, um, so, you know, and also, uh, same with the Jets, the, the only points they had, that Greg, the leg, that ball, like, he kicked it, and then it was, like, in the stands, in the waiting in the beer line, and then it went back over into the, <laughs> that was, like, the craziest shit. So, just, it's always going to be one of these things. I guess, yeah, my, you're right, I, my main point is just always that there's going to be, 
two or three of these in any close football game and then there always becomes the thing of like how what which which thing should we take seriously should we say oh it was the call that happened in the second quarter was one thing but then the coach did something in the fourth quarter that was the, and it just it it, it mm-hmm. does get uh exhausting when yeah so i'm i'm glad that the overall point is that zach is ruining this jet season single-handedly correct you know that's what people should be taking away from it and i think they actually are now, whereas the usual kind of catnip and NFL media thing is to like just show the same, you know, mm-hmm. replay on a loop over and over and go, oh, if this had happened, then so and so, they're an idiot for whatever, right. you know. So, and then yeah. just really quick, the third thing about that play I was going to bring up, Justin Hardy, if you watch the play, Justin Hardy's running out of gas. Let's say he's not blocked at all. He's not making that tackle. He's slow. He's slowing down. He's not catching Jones, even if nobody touches him. So, and let's say he does. Let's say nobody touches him. He does make the tackle, which he wouldn't have. Yeah. Okay, they're in fucking field goal range. You know what I'm saying? Like, to focus on that play is, like, patently ridiculous for, like, so many reasons. It's not even worth talking about. You're right about the time thing. Because it was the last play of the game, essentially, it feels like there was triple zeros on the clock, which wasn't true, right? There was enough time where that he could have even, even if he ran out of bounds at, like, the five, they could have run two more plays, right? Because it was yeah. still, or at least, yeah. yeah. There was five whole seconds left when he scored the touchdown. They would have a time to kick a field goal no matter what, yeah. Yeah, they would have had time to kick, so it doesn't, it probably doesn't really matter, but kick the effing ball out of bounds. They're not moving it at all. Yeah, come on. <laughs> We said this was going to be the shortest one ever. We can praise the defense, I guess, like we've done over and over again, but Mac is on his ass all game. I mean, yeah. this defense is working incredibly well. They're getting so much pressure at the front. You already have an incredible secondary unit, although there's some injury concerns there, I guess, but uh, but you got Sauce going. And you've got this, this, all this pressure. This just, this is, it's just a delight to watch. And I think really they just were uncomfortable. I guess the the run defense is maybe something that seems like a little bit. I, I feel like Ramondre Stevenson is good, but he was also able to to get. To, to, he was like the only offensive player. Maybe the reason we could talk about that play is because it was the only exciting play of the game, <laughs> right? <laughs> it was literally the most boring game ever. Yeah. Uh, so they they were able to. I guess like he was like the best offensive player in the game, but that's like a very very low bar to clear. Yeah. I don't know. Do we want to focus on any other of the offensive problems? Because, I mean, the running game's also not good. And that's probably a lot of the deal with uh, ABT being out still. And they were missing Herbig, right? For Yeah, they were missing Herbig in this game as well. Yeah. But I don't know. The uh, Robinson just doesn't seem like he's. I don't know if he's not right or just he's not really doing anything. And uh, mm-hmm. Carter can do stuff, and they are using him a little bit in the pa- what what was supposed to be the passing game, which there was none. So I don't know. He's still oh, he's he's good, but it, I don't know. That was watching it being like, man, if we could have Brees in this game, that really would be nice. If we could have some uh, somebody else, because obviously, if you're not getting it in the air, you got to do it on the ground. Right. So, and you knew, listen, like you knew the Jets weren't going to be able to run the ball on the Patriots because you knew Belichick was going to stack the box and take that away. I mean, he's seen the game field. The Patriots, like the Jets, are coming off the bye week. Bills had a whole week to look at this team, a team they just saw three weeks ago, by the way. Yeah. He's not going to let them run the ball. He's not going to do let them do the thing they do well. Right. He's watching game film being like, this guy can't, this guy can't make passes. That's, I'll just make, he has to make passes. That's how you're going to beat me. Yeah. 
make passes and he can't do it. Right. Not a, not the most 3D chess match Belichick thing of all time. He's like, hey, this quarterback sucks. <laughs> that was it. There was no like strength. They didn't have to. Yeah. Maybe for once they weren't cheat. They didn't even have to cheat. But uh, I wouldn't put it past now that John. Now that Johnny's not on here, we can yeah. we can really lay on the slander. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you could see it even on the plays like you you talked about earlier, where Mims is streaking down the field. He's wide open. He's waving his arm in the air. It's a free touchdown. Zach just doesn't even look at him. Yeah. It's one of those things. It's like it's not even like the Patriots secondary is that incredible dudes are open in this entire game on the third and one where Moore is over the field I'm yell I'm standing on my couch yelling he's he's right there he's wide oh he's he has a he has two steps on this guy what do you yeah yeah and then he tries to dump off to Carter on the right and he's and he's not open and it's uh, it's just it's just a disaster and that thing the Mims thing that was probably what the biggest offensive play they had all game that is first of all 10 yards underthrown and second of all that's an OPI on Mims that they don't call yeah clear push off. that's the most that's the most egregious he like had his arm wrapped around him and then he pushed him off like it was like a wrestling move I'm like okay that didn't get the one time ever Denzel Mims is on the field and doesn't get called for a penalty so good on him I guess yeah. Um, Mims also totally screwed up that uh, actually a ball that Zach threw kind of well where he randomly jumped in the middle of the field there for no reason. That yeah. was a bad Mims moment. So there's some other blame, but it's yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of few and far. I, I would say like Zach is so far in a way the problem and that's what everybody's saying. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this during the game, during the text chat that. This wasn't a perfect Mike LaFleur game. Like, he kind of pitched a perfect game against Buffalo. This wasn't his best work in the sense that, like... No, it was not. What was clearly going to work against the Patriots was just to kind of take deep shots on them. You have fast receivers on this team. Like, their one successful play to Mims, right? Where it's just, just huck it up and just let Mims go up and get it. They could have done a little bit more of that with Garrett Wilson or with Mims, with Elijah Moore. Right. Who's to say whether that would have worked with Zach playing this erratic anyway? We don't know. But they didn't call any of it, which was disappointing. They tried the same game plan that he used against Buffalo, the kind of hide Zach as much as possible game plan, throw short passes, run out of the shotgun. And like yeah. Bel- like I said, Belichick watched that for a whole week on film. He's not going to let you run a bullshit smoke and mirrors offense and beat him in a game. He's just not. You have to chuck the ball down the field in this game. That's a really good point. It's the Mitch Trubisky Bears offense. It's like... We know this guy doesn't have it, so we just have to do anything we can to make sure he doesn't beat us by himself. I mean, or me, you know, and yeah, even that was was better than this. But and Zach still tried to throw it to the other he team. Still tried. He had no interceptions on the stat sheet. He hit he hit McCordy on the gut. That was that McCordy one was insane. That was like I actually oh was my God. when it first when I first saw the pass, I was like, all right, he's got a guy wide open. That's Devin McCordy. That's not he's not on the Jets. What the fuck? <laughs> like and Conklin was so wide open on that play. He's almost like he's he's looking back for the ball, but it's like he doesn't even jump. That's how far it is over his head. He's wide open. And I'm like, why didn't Tyler Conklin compete for that ball? And then you watch the replay, and you're like, oh, because he had literally no chance on it. It was thrown that poorly. And the worst part is that the defense is amazing to watch like it's the like you're watching this game being like man i can't can't wait till they're back on defense which wouldn't take long what do they have 20 consecutive three and outs every single possession in this game was a three and out i almost feel bad for Braden man where it's like he this one problem and he's like hey you guys hey maybe i'm not supposed to be punting 10 times a game you ever think about that (laughs) i know i should have kicked it out of bounds but fuck you i'm not supposed to be yeah yeah i don't think the bills have punted 10 times all year yeah, there's punters you haven't even seen ten times all season, and then Braden Mann's just out. He's just working, working it, working overtime. 
Lafleur found a way to hide him against a really mediocre, banged-up Bills defense, it wasn't going to work on the Patriots' D. It never had a chance. Lafleur's got also got to stop with the Ty Johnson shit, man. It's it's enough of that. I am so sick of that. I'm so sick of these. What is this third, like third and a, third and short, and it's like a slow developing draw play with Ty Johnson? That is the worst possible offensive plan. Why? I get you. You don't trust Zach, but like. I don't know. Can't they do anything? Call up Zonovan Knight. Do something. This guy just, he doesn't, he can't bring tackles. Like, yeah. And he, and he can't, he can't bring tackles and he can't catch. So he can run, but that's it. Like, yeah, I totally agree on the Ty Johnson front. I don't really get it. I thought the reason that we traded for James Robinson is so that we didn't have to see Ty Johnson and we're still watching right. his bum ass run like, I don't know, eight carries a game. Which makes me think Robinson's more banged up than they thought, you know? Yeah. But I yeah, don't they, know. Yeah. It seems the Jaguars may have lied about the medicals on that one. We might have gotten fleeced on this one. That's my fear. Yeah, or or like or he reaggravated something in in one of the other games. We didn't notice it. I, that could can be. happen too. But you know, yeah, I don't get it. You said oh, the only thing he could do is run, and I don't even know if that's true. I mean, he's pretty slow <laughs> by NFL running back standards. Yeah, yeah, I don't. He's not bringing a lot to the table, especially when you got Michael Carter there. Obviously, I know you can't run every play with him, but. Mm-hmm. Call up Zonovan Knight. Isn't that why you kept him on the roster in case there was a disaster situation? I don't know. Maybe he's, he might be good. Who knows? Probably not, but <laughs> I'm tired. I'm not tired of Ty Johnson. Agree. Yeah, it's, it, it's time for Zonovan Knight as the third running back on the depth chart. I couldn't agree more. We found the interesting content, people. You know, we, we're not, <laughs> Who should they have as their third string running back? This is why people flock to just end the show. They're tired of, the, uh, they're tired of national media coverage. They want, they want to hear about Zonovan Knight being <laughs> called into the active roster. Yeah, I love that name though, Zonovan. Yeah, I just I just want him to be good, just so I can say Zonovan more often. This is why we're the best Jets <laughs> podcast in the game. No one else is talking about Zonovan Knight. <laughs> Literally, no one cares. So I know a lot of Jets fans out there on Twitter, for however long the Twitter is going to exist, are not enthralled by Mike White, and that's fair to be honest he's just kind of like slightly taller davis mills right like that's like the skill set that we're talking about but a lot of people are saying that we should forego mike white entirely skip joe flacco obviously and just go to the fourth quarterback on the depth chart chris strevler who's actually been active for one game this year it was the flacco inactive game where the backups were actually white and strevler a lot of people are saying we should go right to chris because he's the unknown right we've seen mike white a little bit last year uh, obviously we've seen enough of Joe Flacco. Everybody's seen enough of Zach, clearly. Uh, people are like, well, the one guy we don't know about is this guy, Chris Strebler, who was kind of like, he's fast, He's a, he can run, he's got a strong arm, he was fun in the preseason, getting a lot of reps. I think that really smacks of desperation. I don't see why Mike White can't be like a C-plus game manager, which is exactly the quarterback we need to make the playoffs. Mike White is the exact kind of game manager type of dude that you need. If he, I think interceptions have been a problem with him a little bit and stuff, but or or interceptable passes have been a problem. But again, it's like we're talking about stepping up from Zach Wilson, so he seems like the the logical step up, and why they must have elevated him in the depth chart, right? Because you were saying that that mm-hmm. when a team makes it a public announcement about who's going to be the new backup quarterback, that's like a real yep. And it leads me to believe that this was the plan for Sala all along. Because like you said, who makes an announced change to the media about your second string quarterback? 
what the fuck? I mean, unless someone asked him about it specifically, what is the point of saying we're elevating Mike White ahead of Joe Flacco on the depth chart? Are you replacing Zach? No. So it's like, what the, what the hell was the point of that announcement? Except that clearly, I think, Salah does not have confidence in Joe Flacco, and he has no confidence in Zach. And he knew at that juncture, this is going back, what, a month at this point when they made this announcement, maybe three weeks? He knew at some juncture he was going to have to make a move to Mike White, and it was, and he didn't want to have to do it by leapfrogging Joe Flacco. He wanted Joe to know, hey, you're number three. He didn't want to have to leapfrog Joe at the time and be like, yeah, hey, Joe, listen, we're benching Zach. No, still not you. He didn't want to have to have that awkward of a conversation. So he clearly made this pre-move knowing that Mike White would have to be the starter at some point because it's the only thing that makes any sense. Yes, I I think you're right. I think that he was – I'm not – I don't know if I would go as willing – or I don't know if I'd be willing to go as far as to say he knew that this was going to happen. I think it's one of those things like both, you know, fingers and, and all of his toes crossed that like, we don't, we like that Zach could be good, but knowing that that's probably, or, you know, knowing in his heart of hearts that that's not the case, if you know what I mean? <laughs> like just, you know, I have to toe this line with Zach, but I know that mm-hmm. this is not, this is not going to end up well. Um, yeah. I, I think that that's, I, I think that's true. And I mean, I don't know, like the thing that I, I don't understand, and this is, again, I'll, for the millionth time, bring up the, like, I don't understand offensive strategy and play calling. I don't work for an NFL organization. I don't know how any of these, uh, I'm just a dude on a podcast. But I, <laughs> like, um, the whole thing about switching from a quarterback, like switching from your starter to your backup, it usually feels like, obviously, there's the te- there's usually, in cases with other teams, right, there's a talent drop-off. You know, you're de- not dealing with your starter. You're dealing with somebody who's significantly worse. Like, if Patrick Mahomes gets hurt, you can't bring in a guy who's going to be, like, can do the exact same game plan, right? You have to change your game plan and your strategy around the fact that you're going to have to have this backup. The offense that they're currently running, it doesn't really feel like they have to change that much. Right. Am, am I missing something? Like his whole thing was supposed, Zach's whole thing was supposed to be this athleticism mm-hmm. and his like playmaking ability. And pretty much once they started winning games this season, it, it, it seems like Mike LaFleur's and I would argue rightful mm-hmm. decision was to say, eh, actually, I'm just going to have you hand off and try to have you game manage and just try to have you play you know, do some screen passes here and there. And, you know, the times that we have seen him scramble earlier in the year, it was a disaster, you know, like the Patriots game where he's throwing, he's throwing the ball back into the field to play for no reason. He's throwing bad picks. He's just throwing off of his back foot when, and off balance and doing Mahomes shit when he doesn't need to. So he can like throw a two yard out Mm -hmm. to Tyler Conklin or something. Yeah. Like we were like, let's, after those games, we were like, keep him in the pocket. And then the, the Steelers game, I think we were like, Hey, he can make throws from the pocket. Let's just do this. But it's like, if we're like, he's making throws from the pocket. Is that the big thing? Like, I think Mike White can do that. (laughs) You know, I think a lot of backups in the league could do that. So it's not a situation where it's like, well, we have to throw the whole playbook out now. If Mike White comes in, I don't, I don't think you have to change that much unless I'm just, again, totally missing something. Right. And with Mike White, as opposed to Zach, you lose the escapability and you lose the ability to pick up yards with your legs, but Zach's like barely doing that anyway. So you're right. Who cares? He's not doing it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, the escapability thing, yeah, it's <laughs> escapability is great unless the until the play doesn't go well. <laughs> you know, it's great right. to be able to escape, but then you know if if you end up throwing the ball. I mean, he has gotten better. If I can give him one little thing, he is 
throwing the ball away more, but he's still taking sack. He's still doing things in, in, uh, you know, he's not doing this stupid dance to the sideline and then throwing it to Devin McCourty on the sideline. He's just throwing it to Devin McCourty from the pocket. Uh, right. So he's, he's, he's cut out the middleman. <laughs> let's take one more break and then let's talk a little bit about next week against the bears. So the big wrinkle going into next week against Chicago is the health of Justin Fields, right? Right. So Fields injured his left shoulder last week. Supposedly it's not serious. He's day-to-day. I think it's more than likely he plays in this game. Obviously, if Fields plays, that's a very different game than if you're facing somebody else. But this is a game that the Jets are favored to win and should win, right? It's not. A, it's a Bears team that absolutely could beat us if we play offense the way we did last week. But it's not a Bears team that necessarily scares you like I was scared shitless of playing New England in New England and um, all of my worst fears came true and more I'm not so scared of the Chicago Bears should I be I don't think so I think that the offense even performing as badly as they did in this game could be more successful against the Bears than the Patriots the Patriots kicked the Bears' ass early in the year, right? So that gives you an indication of of what's going on with that. So I, I'm I'm not, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not afraid of the Bears thing, especially with Fields day to day. I think still is the designation at the moment. I don't know. It, usually, it feels like when quarterbacks are day to day, this at a certain point they do get named the starter. But I don't fear this Bears team, and I kind of like the Jets here. Mm-hmm. There's no way that this is, of course, like we're we're backed into a corner somehow. Even though the season's going well, the Jets are once again backed into a weird corner where it's like there's going to be drama going on. But I still think that the Bears are like pretty bad, and they right. actually like kind of pulled out some games out of their butt, and people thought that they were good for a minute. But I think that they're they're actually really bad. And and even with Fields, I mean, he um he can't throw really. So if he's in there and he's already got an injury. I, you know, and if that compromises his running ability at all, then uh, in terms of wanting to take hits or whatever, then uh, I think the Jets are in good shape here. So, by the way, I looked it up. If Fields can't go, the Bears' backup quarterback is Trevor Simeon. He's the only other quarterback on the roster. Oh, wow. Revenge game. Trevor Simeon revenge game. Jets legend Trevor (laughs) Simeon. Jets legend Trevor Simeon. A lot of former Jets on this depth chart, by the way. If you look at the Bears' tight ends after Cole Komet, it's actually Ryan Griffin and Trevon Wesco. Wesco, yeah, they t- they took him at the um, they claimed him at the whatever you call it on cut, on cut day there. I think I don't know why, but yeah, I mean I think that <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Sauce and DJ Reed are perfectly capable of covering <laughs> Equinemius St. Brown, Byron Pringle, and Dante Pettis. Talk about good names, though. Uh, it's not exactly a who's who of receivers. <laughs> I mean, Equinemius is an all-time wide receiver name. Equinemius, <laughs> that's an amazing name. You can't not love a guy named Pringle. I kind of like Ramondre, too, even though I don't want to root for him. I kind of like the name Ramondre. That's pretty badass. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I've taken Andre to a new level. It's like I'm adding more to Andre, and Andre was already. No, I dig Ramondre. Yeah, big time for sure. <laughs> I told you, fresh content. We People didn't <laughs> tune in for <laughs> We found a way. See? It's not going to be the shortest episode. It'll be the regular length. <laughs> It looks like the Jets are also going to stay away from running back Khalil Herbert in this game. It's Montgomery, and then Preston Ebner is the only other rostered running back, at least according to ChicagoBears.com. I also happen to think David Montgomery is overrated. I don't think he's that special. So Patriots under last week was 38 and a half. They came in at a cool 13, even with that 
final play touchdown on the punt. So that was an easy hit if you had the under. I can't imagine the under over in this game will be much higher, maybe 35. I don't think you can lower the bar too much into the 30s, realistically. I think Vegas rarely does. But if this over-under starts with a three at all, if it's Fields versus Mike White, you're like, maybe each of these teams can score like 17 points and it might scare you away from a mid-30s under, but it's probably a lot going in. As of Tuesday night, the Jets are giving four and a half. Game is in New Jersey. The under-over is, get this, 39 and a half. Oh, man. One of these teams, Uh or both of them, would have to score 20-something points in order to go over that. I I think that's a—I mean, this could be a trap. If it looks too good to be true— It could be. It usually is. Sounds like Jets in the under is is the consensus here. I actually love the Jets minus 205 on the money line, parlayed with the under— 39 and a half at minus 105. You got yourself a pretty good same game parlay right there without having to put any uh, sketchy player stuff in it. <laughs> exactly. That sounds like the that sounds like Vegas thinks the Jets are going to score, right? Am I misreading that? If they think they're they're thinking f- Jets by four and a half, so they're thinking Jets by basically a touchdown and the over unders that high. They they're thinking that because I can't imagine they're thinking that the Bears are scoring on the Jets defense. I'm going to bet my house that I rent on this under yeah. really quick before <laughs> it goes any lower because people are going to start hammering it. Yeah. Yeah, that's um yeah, we're going to have the we're going to have the just end the show bump. There's going to be the line's going to move because of just end the show. I'll make sure I put in the bet before I edit the episode. Before? Yeah, that's right. The balls in your court. I don't know about laying four and a half, though. That scares me. Nope. I just go money. Did you say? Yeah. No laying points with the New York Jets. That should be a rule no matter who we're playing. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, I know it's been a good season for wins and losses, but, like, no, don't lay points with the Jets. Bad move. Nope. The Houston Texans, I don't care. Not lay points with the New York Jets ever, ever, ever. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to do it for another edition of Just on the Show. Enjoy the games this week, everybody. We'll be back to talk to you next week after the Jets play the Bears. Kevin. Just end Zach Wilson's career. Just-